Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com Spotify. TommyJohn.com Spotify. See site for details. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is Ashley Quinlan, Senior Road Tech Editor here at Bike Radar, and today I'm joined by my fellow Senior Tech Ed, Warren Rossiter, for our next edition of Bike Radar Road Bike Frame Materials Podcast Series. Uh, today we're talking about titanium. But first, Warren, nice to see you. Hi, Ash. What riding exploits have you been up to recently? Um, well, I'm um, making uh, the use of this big drop of snow we've just had to um, explore the traction of gravel bikes um when you're riding on snow and ice and uh i've come to the conclusion they're not very good not very good at that <laughs> well especially the ones you've got though they're quite racy in their in their style very racy yeah they're very racy so you've got small um block tire treads nothing built for uh, the sort of conditions i'm riding in but um it's fun yes i would say yeah good well uh it is starting to melt now at least a little bit and we'll we'll, we'll uh Hopefully you'll get some sort of more meaningful testing in the in the not too distant future. Good, good. Uh, right. Well, first, well, let me let me introduce our, our guest, shall we? Um, his name is John Caravo. Uh, he is the brand manager at Moots, um, a Colorado-based bike manufacturer that has specialised in building titanium bikes since the nineteen nineties. Uh, John, uh, it, thank you for joining us. Have I pronounced your name correctly? First of all. Yeah, um, excellent uh, attempt. Um, Caravo Att- is, is how I pronounce it. It's, uh, uh, but very good. Um, oh, okay, okay. Thanks and for having me. 
Yeah, no problem at all. No problem at all. So how are things with you, sir, first of all? Uh, doing well. Um, you know, we're here in Steamboat and uh, winter is uh, off to a roaring start here. And I, I really like to hear Warren talk about uh, what tires he's been riding because we are, yeah, you know, on an average year here in Steamboat, we get about 350 inches of snow. So we're quite um adapt to that kind of riding <laughs> yeah well that's okay Warren. We're, you know we're, we're what th- a 350th of the way there then in that case that's pretty we? much yeah 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 in the typical uk way we're uh, dramatizing just an inch of snow and the uh, country seems to stop <laughs> yeah yeah for those that are not ready for it or have it around all the time it is a, a menace for sure 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 well look um john you're here to talk to us about titanium uh, frame technology and titanium bikes. Uh, Moots is a well-regarded brand for for you know titanium bike manufacture. Um, so I'd really like to get your opinion on a few questions. And I'm going to dive straight in with the first one. Let's let's talk about chemistry first of all. Um, sorry if that wasn't your specialist subject at school. I'm hoping it was. But you know how does titanium differ from say your more commonly seen metals in uh, bike frame manufacture? You know, um, titanium is best compared to steel. And uh, what uh, we gain from moving from steel, which Moots produced in steel for about 10 years, and we developed this little simple micro suspension in those steel bikes called the YBB. And so it was a soft tail design. And what happened is as you sit at your desk, if you have a paper clip around and you cycle that through enough bending uh, kind of movements, it'll eventually break. And, and that is steel. It reaches its fatigue life and then it fails. And with titanium, that movement is almost limitless. Um, so what really attracted to us was the fatigue resistance over time and those uh, chainstays that flex on the YBB design uh, really lend itself to the titanium. So basically, it's uh, uh, a bit lighter than steel. It has a higher fatigue resistance, um, and it can also be built just a bit stiffer as well. Yeah. And when we're talking about titanium in the context of a you know, of a bike frame. Are we talking about the a pure element here, or are we talking about an alloy or, or, or a blend of of metals that titanium feeds into? So we call it titanium, but actually, it's a titanium alloy. What what are we talking about here? Yeah, we are we are talking about exactly that an alloy. Um, the way titanium basically starts its life is it starts out as CP, which is commercially pure. And in that setting, there's no alloys that have been mixed into the material. And funny enough, um, in the late 60s, several, well, one one bike manufacturer was making titanium bikes out of CP material. And they turned out to be extremely flexy. And um, they did not perform well under hard accelerations. Um, And so as, as the bike industry really got to kind of understand this material the need for an for adding an alloy into the material was seen mm-hmm. um and those uh alloys typically and and are for us uh aluminum and vanadium and what happens there is that adds stiffness and strength to the commercially pure titanium 
And and I suppose this is going to be a very very sciencey sort of question now in terms of the manufacture. But how do you bond those two together? How do you how do you bring them together? Is it a you know heat them up very hot and mix them together as they're molten, or or how does it work? Yeah. So basically, um, commercially pure titanium comes from titanium oxide, which is found um, in beach sand, and basically that sand is uh, the titanium oxide is um, harvested out of the beach sand and separated. And then you have this ingot, which is basically melted down into a large puck of titanium. It almost looks like a, uh, oil drum, 55 gallon oil drum. And that, uh, then is turned into basically molten. And then the alloy is added to that. So it can be basically even evenly mixed um, into the, the CP. Okay. So, uh, when you're deciding, you know, at at what point in the process are you deciding, you know, what sort of blends of, of this alloy you're putting into a bike frame? Is it, is it, uh, the same across the whole frame or are we talking about sort of different concentrations and different zones of the frame as you might, you know, see in a carbon frame or, or, or otherwise? Yeah, there's there's definitely um, different alloys out there that can be used in a tube format. And what we've learned over the years, um, three, two and a half, uh, that's, you know, 3% aluminum, two and a half percent vanadium mixed into that commercially pure. The three, two and a half tube is more workable and more readily available versus another alloy level. So the other common one is six slash four titanium. And what happens there is by adding more aluminum, more vanadium, you begin to get a a product that is a a much more difficult to work with. Um, It gets harder. It gets stiffer. And to draw that into a tube uh, becomes very difficult. So the titanium tubing manufacturers that we work with, these uh, mills, uh, as we refer to them, the most common is three, two and a half. Now, the reason that is, is with the three, two and a half, you take that oil drum sized puck that's been mixed with the three, two and a half um, alloy. And you start to draw a tube out of that. If that were 6.4, it becomes very difficult. Um, and it's very hard on the actual machinery that draw the tube. So it becomes uh, a very difficult part to work with at some point. Um, and that is with the 6.4. Um, and the other thing that to add to that is typically when you're looking at a 6.4 in any size type of diameter, which is... You know, we tend to work with bigger diameter titanium tubing in order to make the footprint bigger from tube to tube, increase our stiffness, and add that to the the ride quality of the bike. What happens is the uh, difference in tubing. So a three, two and a half tube is typically seamless. A six, four tube is typically seamed. And basically that starts out as a sheet. It's rolled into a tube and then a a weld joint is applied the full length of that tube. Um, We don't necessarily like working with that at Moots. The three, two and a half turns out straighter and rounder for us. 
And then um, it, it is also uh, kind of um, not available in those big diameters that we're looking for uh, that we can find in the 3-2 uh, tube. So just on that, I mean, because I'm just thinking like historically now, you know, back when um, titanium kind of first burst onto the scene, I'm not talking like back in the 60s, not the speed wells or the... Um, the Teledynes or whatever, but when when the actual alloy tubing sort of came about, I mean, I remember bikes like the Lightspeed Vortex that was ridden by Lotto in the Tour. You know, that was a six four bike, um, and I think back at those in those days, it was almost considered by by the buying public that a six four bike was somehow superior to a three two five. But I'm guessing what you're saying is actually that's absolutely not the case. They're just different materials i mean why why would lightspeed choose a 64 for the for the pro tour bike was it because it made a stiffer structure possibly or? possibly because it uh, made a stiffer and i believe some of those bikes too were starting to use a little bit of shaped tubing yeah um, they, they were starting to go a bit arrow and yeah. yeah they were trying to lean towards the arrow side of things and with the 64 um you can you can kind of do that um as you're forming that into a seamed tube um the majority of it honestly comes down to marketing um and that seems to be a theme we've heard over this material <laughs> series it? it has so far yes i think so you know it's easy to put uh, bigger buzzwords onto a bigger number and yeah. tell people that this is better and and quite honestly in the moots history of building bikes we have had a 64 tube set that was called the sl tube set and it was built into our road bikes and our competitive uh, cyclocross bikes of the time and the thing that was unique about that is it was a seamless tube so it came out straighter rounder the tolerances were much better than a seamed tube. Um, however, it was limited in the diameter we could get it in. And this tube set actually came from Reynolds uh, in the UK. They they are absolutely, without a doubt, the uh, most experienced uh, company on the face of the planet for budding metal tubes, whether it's steel or titanium. And um, that tube set was very unique. Um, we loved it. Um, it was, you know, quite a bit. It was about 25% lighter than the uh, comparable tube we were using um, and saved quite a bit of frame frame weight. However, the demand for that tube set from the bicycle industry was so small, they had to eventually stop making it. So um, that that came out of our line. And what sort of time frame are we talking about here? You know, what 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 sort of year years and time, how long ago? Um, this was in about two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, so so carbon is is making it make you know making great guns and headway in aero development as well as getting lighter and and stiffer and you know manufacturers are getting on top of that. I suppose the market had already shifted towards looking at carbon as a as the performance material and therefore the more easily marketable material, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this this was the answer from the metal um, the metal guys <laughs> to yeah. make it lighter and a bit st stiffer. And it had an interesting ride quality to it. It was ever so slightly a crisper ride. Um, however, because of the uh, uh, 
reduced number of diameters we could get it in, it just, it didn't play well. And so when we think about building in three, two and a half in the Moots product lineup, in a road bike right now, we have eight or nine stock sizes of any given model. And as we move through those stock sizes from smallest to biggest, the tube set diameter and wall thickness changes for every one of those bikes to address a bigger rider, a more powerful rider, or a lighter rider on the on the smaller end of the spectrum. And what that allows us to do is very much tune the ride of the bike on the diameter and wall thickness of the of the tube set. Do you think that's what sets a brand like Moots apart, you know, you and the other kind of high-end tie manufacturers from because there's a lot more titanium out there now than there ever used to be, you know, and there's a lot of kind of Asian produced kind of off the peg stuff that, you know, maybe maybe only one or two of the tubes on that frame are butted, etc. Do you think that's the difference is the the amount of effort that you go into to specify in the different diameters per size, etc. And then you've got things like your RSL tube in where you oversize it and you know, uh, I guess what the you know, the the long and short of the question I'm asking is um why should somebody buy a moots over um you know, one of those uh, more catalog tie bikes that you'll see around there? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question and, and we do get it often. You know, a Moots is not a cheap bike. It uh, is all handmade here, right here in Steamboat Springs. We are sourcing uh, the majority of our tubing um, from within the US, which is aerospace-based uh, supply chain. And I think it is, it's kind of comes down to um, Moots turned 40 years old last year. So we're 42 years this year and 30 of that or, th- or 31 of that now is in titanium and the experience that is within the building. And that has been, you know, we don't have one builder in the building. We have, you know, about 17 hands, sets of hands that touch each bike frame along the way. And, I think it what it really does it, it it does speak volumes to the Moots ride quality and we have you know many customers uh, I've had brand X of titanium bike or or whatever and they compare it to their Moots and they say there's something about when I step onto this bike and I go off riding the ride quality really comes through in this bike there's some sort of special something about this and I think it, it it basically comes down back to our experience with the material, um, our our unwielding uh, philosophies of sourcing the best material. There's all sorts of titanium out there in the world that that could really be half the price we're paying for it, and half the price that a Moots frame ends up being. However, we're we are unwilling to go down that road of substandard quality material. And then, um, so our philosophy is when we get it here, we've got the best material we can get. And then we've got what we think are the best processes within the building to turn that tube set into a the best bike frame you can spend your hard-earned money on. And that's, that's not lost on our crew. I mean, these go out the door and you know, we're talking... Ten to fifteen thousand dollar bicycles, and that is a a serious thing to us 
And our crew understands that, that the customer getting this bike has either lusted after a moots, they've scrimped, they've saved. It's their dream bike. And uh, we're going to do everything possible to make that um, the best they can get. Because Warren, you've you've tested um, plenty of titanium bikes mm. in you know in your time, and most recently a, a Moots uh, a CRD, I believe. No, we've got an RSL that's just just, just ah. landed with us. So I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to looking forward to getting on that. Yeah. I, I think I've seen it down in down in our sort of dungeon shed, yeah. and uh, I've I mean I do I mean great, I, but... I do own you know a titanium bike. Yeah, yeah. Not a Moots because uh, I haven't been able to afford one yet. Well, <laughs> but it's nice. It's you know it's a it's a it's a fellow American brand from one of the one of the originators. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I I do I get what you you say, and it's a it's a kind of a difficult thing to describe to people on on the way that titanium rides. You know, it's kind of it it it's got some of the characteristics of steel, but it also brings in some of the characteristics of high end aluminium as well. You know, and um mm-hmm. um and and there's no getting away from the fact that they you know they always look stunning. I mean, especially you know when you're looking at um like the moots. The Moots Root RSL we've got in at yep. the moment is just off the charts, beautiful. But it does have like, you know, the special finish and, and lots of special parts. So it does look, you know, amazing. Um, but the thing I was I, I was sort of um, intrigued me, you know, you mentioned aerospace and and, I, and like 325 is actually a product of, of the aerospace industry and, and came about sort of during the Cold War. Um, and obviously they have pretty exacting standards if you're making – you know, critical parts for uh, fighter jets, etc. Um, mm-hmm. How was that transition for you guys? Because obviously, I guess initially you were just buying those aerospace tubings and and adapting them into a bicycle frame. Have you got now to the point where you're making those specification choices? But are you keeping the same aerospace grade standards, as it were? Is that one of the factors that makes moots a moots? Yeah, and I think part of that. Um you know, we're, is, is kind of the size of moots, right? How, how, how big is moots? Like, you know, we have 25 full-time employees and, you know, we're not this one to two man shop that's making, you know, 50 frames per year. So what that does for us is it gives us just a little bit of influence on the titanium uh, mills that we can ask for a very specific tube um, or a very specific spec on a tube, um, diameter, wall thickness, all those things. And it it really, you know, back back kind of what happened with the Merlin years and, and those early years of titanium, right, was, okay, here's this funny little bicycle industry niche that they're going to build bike frames out of titanium. And at that time, the mills were not addressing, you know, a thin-walled, oversized diameter tube. They they were getting close. However, as more people got into building with titanium, the the voice of the metal builders started to be heard just a bit more. And where we're asking for a very, you know, like I said, a very specific tube set and a very specific call out um of that i mean now right now so our our rsl tubing that's in the crd it's in the route rsl that you're uh, that you're looking at riding right now that tube set comes from reynolds 
And so what we were looking for, once that SL tube set went out of the market that I was talking about earlier, the 6.4, we were looking for a budded tube set that was extremely high quality. Um, we like the internal budding that uh, Reynolds is able to perform. So basically what we do is we, we box up um, cut lengths of tubes here in the US, top tubes, down tubes, seat tubes, and we send them to Reynolds in the UK. And then they butt that seamless three, two and a half for us to the spec that we're looking for. Um, and then they send it back to us. And so uh, I think, you know, the the aerospace, you know, the the bike industry and the, and the handcrafted frame business is kind of a, you know, for lack of better terms, kind of a gnat on the elephant's butt as far as size is considered um and their their main focus is the aerospace so when back here in the distant past when these big airliner projects were delivering titanium price increased a huge amount in about a year and a half and uh that was an issue but you know our our folks at the mill you know never forgot about us and kept making bicycle tubes for us so yeah, I, I would say that, you know, maybe it's that Moots is at this size where we can dictate a little bit of um, what we're asking for from these mills. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use gift mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think a, you know the other thing that that is often spoke about um, with regards to, to titanium bikes is it's a uh, it's that oft said cliche that it's a bike for life you know because of the extraordinary fatigue life of titanium and the anti corrosion properties etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, which always sounds to me like really really you know exceptional and if I had you know bought that um, 
YBB that I listed after in the early noughties, it would now be hopelessly out of date because of the way technology's changed. You know, it would have V-brake bosses. It would be a one-inch head tube, et cetera. Uh, do you guys do anything to sort of almost combat that shifting in tech? So it's like if I, you know, if I fell in love with this Roots RSL that I've got here right now and bought it, and then in two years' time, yet another bottom bracket standard comes out that works out that it's superior. Do you guys ever take back, you know, um, bikes and modify them to to bring them up to standard etc you know we have a up to a, a a certain level you know cutting out bottom brackets head tubes dropouts that kind of thing we we refuse to do and and reasons are you know you're never going to get this back in there correctly from from a cleanliness of weld and contamination and and even geometry um, there are certain things that we will do if you've got an older YBB with those V-brake bosses on there and, and you want to turn it into a disc bike, we will weld on a uh, post mount, you know, uh, disc mount onto the mountain bikes. The The flat mount has presented a whole other can of worms and we we are unable to to move bikes to that mount. So yes and no uh, there is a limit and we basically have what we call a refurbish program and so you've ridden this bike for a decade and you've really abused it aesthetically it looks horrible you know the decals are scratched and you know it's got sticky drink mix all over it and you're ready for a refinish and and you send it in we can we can add that disc mount we can add some water bottle bosses here and there if you'd like and then we um, run it through our finishing system and reblast the entire frame we can apply any of the new anodized finishes that you see on our website you know you were commenting about the kind of the flashiness of uh, what you've got there and so we can do that to a certain level however cutting bikes apart replacing tubes we we might as well start over in our with our principles basically of we're not going to get a very good bike out of this if we start cutting this apart so yeah up to a certain level i it makes me wonder you know when whenever i've stumbled into a bike shop um where i've i've come across a, a steel bike and I've, I've taken one out for a test ride before now um and and brought it back and i've i've loved it haven't been able to afford it but i've always seen them as sort of items of reverence, kind of like, you know, like something that I, even if I owned one, I'd probably struggle to go out and ride it because I wouldn't want to get it dirty. You know, I wouldn't, I, you know, as much as it's anti-corrosion and, and you know, titanium has these sort of performance elements to it, I I would struggle to sort of take it for, a, for you know, a hundred mile, hundred mile spin across maybe a little bit of gravel along the way if there's like enough, enough clearance, et cetera, et cetera. And I can go and do that. I just feel like, um, you know, there's a, an expectation that titanium is your luxurious frame material is that is that uh is that something that you know you guys play into um or or do you see it as a performance material how how do you how do you guys at moots uh perceive titanium well it's it is kind of interesting i mean talking to you know from rim brakes on up to disc brakes and how moots has kind of evolved with uh more modern techniques and technology so um, several years ago, we started using a 3D printed dropout. And we we do see ourselves as, 
kind of cutting edge within reason of where the material is. The luxury item of people, oh my gosh, I can't, it's so beautiful. I can't take it out and ride it and get it dirty. We want act the absolute opposite. We want people to go out and abuse the crap out of this bike. And, and that's the beautiful thing about titanium is you can ride it hard, put it away dirty and wet, you know, grab it the next ride, lube the chain and off you go. And we really, it's great. I mean, I mean, they do start out as works of art and people fawn over them and, oh my gosh, it's so perfect. And how could I ever get this dirty? Well, we want we want the opposite. And I think when folks do come to Moots for a bike, um, there's part of that artistic quality that it draws them into the company, the the personality of the folks that are actually doing the the work here at Moots. They're, you know, we're we're reasonably, you know, blue-collar folks that are we work in a bike factory. It's a it's an artistic bike factory, <laughs> sure. but uh, we really want these bikes just to go out and get ridden and, and, you know, go through wheel sets, go through group sets, and the frame will withstand many, many years of that. Is it a forever bike? Uh, you know, for some people, yes. Um, but like you said, technology does march on. And uh, as we go through those certain things you know flat mounts a perfect example when that came out we thought my gosh how are we how are we going to address this on a daily production basis of building bike frames you know so you know we we're not a massive specialized company but we do make you know in excess of 1200 frames a year and when 65 to 70% of those bike frames use that flat mount piece, we've got to figure out how to do this day in and day out. So it's straight. The alignment of axle rotor and caliper is perfect. Um, and our production system can move along at a reasonable, uh, so on, on that score, was that why you came up with the, the sort of elongated 3d printed dropouts? It seems to me that you know you could three D print a you know, titanium and get some big headlines and a good marketing um, kind of story around it. But from you know just like looking at the bikes and everything like that, when you've got those three D printed dropouts where you can ensure the shape, and especially as you've incorporated the flat mount into the dropout, it was that you look into that new technology to ensure perfect alignment. You know, because if every single one is the same, then you've got that brake rotor to to you know brake mount alignment sorted um by embracing a new technology rather than trying to do it all with individual welds i can see how you know embracing that new technology which is interesting because you could consider a brand like moots to be quite traditional you know i thought it was you know it's a kind of smart tech um, you know, tech driven um solution to, to what was obviously going to be quite a problem yeah and it you know, when, when Shimano, you know, all these, all, all manufacturers kind of get a sneak peek of what's coming down the pipe, right? So a year and a half before flat mount hit the public market, we, we were privy to that. And, uh, we looked at it and we thought, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We tried a few different things internally as, as they, you know, as Shimano was ramping up to start making flat mount calipers and, um, 
I have to like give credit to uh, Keith at Reynolds in, in the UK there. I don't know if you've ever talked with Keith. Amazing uh, gentleman. He came to a hand-built bicycle show in the US. I believe we were in Louisville, Kentucky that year. And he sat down with us and pulled out of his pocket this little 3D printed dropout. And he said, have you ever thought about this? And this was at the same time we're scratching our heads how we're going to figure out the whole flat mount into our production system here. And uh, we thought that's brilliant. Um, Absolutely. You get this very controllable, tight spec that's going to align with everything that needs to align. Um, You can do it in bigger numbers. You can, you know, print 10 of them if you need them. And so we, we actually started working with a, uh, an outfit in the UK that was building formula one car parts. And so they, that was a little bit of a challenge just because of the time difference, but they were our very first vendor with the 3d printed dropout. And then it evolved here. And finally in the U S some metal shops started working in printed materials and uh and kind of the the rest is history for us really and and it's even now with the the newest bike the crd that just launched that is about our third or fourth rendition of 3d printed dropout so we've evolved and we've changed even within the flat mount piece um to get a little bit lighter to get a little um nicer shape and, 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 uh, incorporation into our frame. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is for me, I, I, you know, my personal background with moots was I've worked here for 26 years and I started out on the floor as a frame builder and I was doing finish work. I was machining parts. I was doing all, all those things. And like you said, we're a very traditional company for, and so for me, uh, working in a traditional material. So for me to see this happen and, and moots to incorporate this really cool technology. Um, yeah, it really was kind of like, wow, we don't have our head in the sand and uh, we're looking at all these other things that we could use and, and make the product better. And, and the 3d printed part was definitely one of them. Could advances in technology like, you know, 3d printing, see titanium, uh, if if not resurge beyond beyond where it is now, you know, make make more of an appearance. We've seen pro teams in the past ride titanium bikes. Is it something that could happen in the future? Do you think, or is that sort of uh, you know dream dreamland thinking? You know, I think it's um, I think it's a little bit of maybe dreamland. I mean, we we've supplied bikes to pro bike racers over the years. We've had a couple of national championships and. Here just a couple of years ago, uh, domestically, we wrapped up a sponsorship with a cyclocross team. And uh, this team was basically built around younger riders and developing those riders. And the beautiful thing about the tie frames, they would race them throughout the season. And then in the summertime, they would send them back to us and we would refinish them, make them beautiful again after they've thrown them into fences and barriers and all that stuff. And then we would return them. So we, we went on this cycle. Um, We had one 
frame, you know, number investment, but we got to use those for about five seasons. And that's quite remarkable that it's incredible. Right. And it's, it's like, you know, and, and we can talk about the energy that goes into making bicycles and, and, and whatnot, but that, you know, there's a lot of energy that goes into making a titanium bike. However, what offsets it is the longevity and, and yeah, it's a lifetime guaranteed warrantied frame from moods. I know, is it going to be your forever last bike you'll ever own? Well, maybe, but like we said, the, the technology and the changes to industry standards and specs marches along and, and there's nothing that we can do to really control that, but we can adapt to it and, and make, make the best bike frame we know how. Um, but I don't know the, the pro tour, I think things are so, you know, you crash, you know, no, no dis against carbon. It's a, it's a wonderful material. Obviously it's, you know, we, we kind of refer to it as the disposable razor at times where uh, you crash one, you, you pick up another one and go. And I don't know if the acceptance of a metal bike in the pro Peloton would be a thing that we'll see again. Um, it it would be awesome. You know, uh, there's other companies that have done that in the past, you know, and, uh, Lightspeed was one of them. They were, they were, the, you know, that was a huge thing for titanium. Um, whether we'll see that again, I'm not sure. You highlight that. It's interesting that, you know, I, th- I suppose I defaulted there to saying the pro tour and road cycling, but actually, you know, there are other applications that, you know, we've talked about before with, with, um, Warren and I talked about, you know, aluminium being a great bike for things like, uh, you know, great frame material for crit racing, for example. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've been it. It could, it, you, you know, you could fix it, but you know, it's not, it's not a carbon frame that that's it. It's done. It's done for. You know, mm-hmm. um, I suppose there's the same sort of appliance with with titanium. Only titanium lasts theoretically longer again, right? Yeah, and I think you know, titanium has obviously found its natural its natural home and quite a bit of resurgence, especially in gravel. Yeah. You know, every end of the spectrum, be it bike packing or be it racing, you know. Mm. And I think, you know, moots have been involved in that that kind of sphere since its very origins, I guess. I think I like to see, you know, the, the, the resurgence of a lot of these like, like materials that have been forgotten mm. from the high world of professional cycling. And professional cycling is so far removed from what most people do. Of course. I'm not 100% convinced it's always the best choice for a bike. No. This is coming from somebody who owns dozens of carbon bikes yeah but <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it it is kind of at that that level of formula one technology right yeah. where you know it can take an impact to a certain point but it's meant to kind of crush under the most nastiest accidents and absorb that that energy kind of like the car does but uh yeah i don't i don't know i think um we we see it you know we are like you say very heavily steeped in you know, mountain bike history, which has its obvious um, benefits there for durability. But then there's a certain line too, where you can only get so much out of a titanium mountain bike, hardtails or softtail. You know, we've built dual suspension uh, mountain bikes over the years. Um, It's just a, it's a really tough material to accomplish uh, in a dual suspension bike, but, uh, with the drop bar stuff, the bike packing, the gravel racing, gravel riding and pure enjoyment, right. You know, most people out there never enter a race that own a bike and 
they're out there enjoying their ride on their Route 45 or their Route RSL week in, week out. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what really, you know, drives us to, to build a, a great bike is knowing that, uh, you know, you can go out and ride fairly remote. You know, we're here in Northwest Colorado and, you know, 10 minutes from our doorstep, you're in the wilderness really quick. And, uh, you want to be riding something that's going to be solid. Um, it's going to be able to get you back home at the end of your two day trip or whatever it might be. So John, I've got one final question for you around, um, you know, the downsides of titanium. Are there any that people should be aware of, or are you, are you satisfied? It's a bit of a wonder material from your, from your perspective. Um, you know, if someone's looking at buying a, a bike or a, any kind of bike at all, and they're looking at titanium as one of the options, are there any, what are the key upsides and downsides? Maybe we should balance it a little bit better than saying what are the downsides? Yeah. I mean, um, upside is, uh, ride quality, durability. Um, and it's, it's, uh, you know, in this sea of uh, carbon that we have around us, it's, it's a bit of a, an anomaly, um, unless you're, unless your given group is, you know, steel and, and titanium bike riders, um, you're going to show up on the group ride and you'll, you'll be singled out as the, the person on the metal bike, but, uh, you know, ride quality, durability, and then, you know, downside, um, I think you know, for, for a lot of people out there looking at tie bikes, I think really figure out and find out where the material's coming from. Yeah. And I think our interesting little insight to folks that have had a bad experience on a titanium bike, well, I had a tie bike and it was flexy or it cracked or, you know, and that happens if the builder is not watching their their p's and q's and sourcing good material and and using great processes building the bike um dig deeper into the company or the brand that you're looking at and i think um that will reveal um you know good things and bad things and uh, i think don't base it on price alone um i guess would be my finishing statement there yeah, fair enough. And if you're looking to invest in, a, in in titanium, and titanium bikes do tend to be on the premium side of you know cost and so on. Yeah, I, I suppose you if you do your research, you can you can avoid the the downsides that maybe a material gets gets tarred with a little bit, arguably unfairly. I think so. I think it's the same with anything, though. Really, isn't it? Especially when you're at the premium end, be it titanium, be it um, carbon or whatever. If a you know if a bike. Its price looks too good to be true. It's probably for a reason. Yes, you know. So, and that stands true of titanium as well as any yes. other frame material. Well, John, um, can I just take take a moment just to thank you for joining us today? It's been great talking to you, and uh, I've loved learning so much about moots as well as about titanium frame. Uh, the, you know, titanium frame material in general, apart from that, it looks pretty and it has a luster to it. So, thank you very much for for offering your expertise today. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope it was good, and uh, there's some there's some good insight in there. I'm sure there is. I look forward to meeting you in person one day. That's for sure. That's for sure. So this has been another episode in our wider series of looking at frame materials for road and gravel bikes. If you missed any of the others uh, that have come up uh, to this point on steel, carbon, or alloy, 
maybe we published them at the, so far, maybe we haven't. Um, go Do scroll back through, see if you can find them, or they could be coming very soon to a podcast provider near you. If you have any comments or questions, please do get in touch um, and send us an email at podcast at bikeradar.com. Uh, we'd really appreciate your feedback about the pod, um, and the best way you can share that is by leaving a rating on your chosen pod provider. Um, all that leaves me to say is, Warren, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, John, thank you to you once more. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends. Or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 